listening to Talking Law, the podcast where business owners just like you discover how to avoid legal landmines and build value using smart legal tips. Join your host, Joanna Oki, as she cuts through the legal jargon and gives you clear and simple actionable legal strategies, which will get you optimal business results. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here, and welcome back to Talking Law. Today, we are launching a two-part series all around the topic of business insolvency, and in particular, recognizing the signs of insolvency. These two episodes are aimed at all businesses in order to be armed with information about recognizing signs of financial distress, both in their own organization and in their clients who may owe them money. But it's also aimed at accountability and other professional advisors that work with businesses in providing some insight as to the warning signals that we as advisors should be looking out for and what to do if we're seeing some of those troubling signs. I really feel deeply that this topic is a very important one for business owners and accountants to understand and to have a refresher on every now and again because some of the most emotional episodes that I have seen with my clients over my history as a lawyer have related to business when they've been facing or indeed undergoing periods of insolvency in their business. And in many instances, due to the damage that they had done because they were simply unaware of what was slowly happening to their business, as we talk about in this episode, that boiling frog syndrome. And often business owners are unaware that this situation is completely avoidable. And I have a few really raw memories of clients whose businesses didn't make it and ended up in insolvency. And some in the worst instances with directors themselves ending up in bankruptcy. And these events were really raw for me having to witness what was going on and obviously even worse for the clients. And it's fascinating how easily some of these situations could be resolved if they're dealt with early in the piece. So for this two-part series, I have brought in an expert in the area, Anthony DeVries. Anthony is the founding partner of DVT Group, which has been around for 23 years, helping businesses and companies that are out of financial control. They do business advisory work, they're liquidators, and they're also business turnaround consulting specialists. So I thought they'd be the right people to turn to for us to give our listeners some really good insights into this area. So in these two episodes, we focus on two areas, providing education and insight for businesses, both in relation to dealing with their own finances and in recognizing signs of financial distress in their clients that owe them money. But we also discuss a lot of areas that are particularly relevant for accountants to consider in relation to their practices and how they can make simple changes in their approach with their clients that can provide a massive value add. I really enjoyed this discussion with Anthony because it really hit on the human aspect of this area of the risks of company insolvency and highlighted some great examples of practical steps that business owners and their accountants can take to help avoid the risk of insolvency of a business and what to do when there really is a risk that's calling on the door. Hi, Anthony. Thank you so much for coming on the program today. Let's maybe start off with who is DVT Group and who do you work with? Oh, good day, Joanna. DVT's 
been around for 23 years and what we do is we help people who lose financial control. So we're sort of in the place where we, we help people get retain control, get back in charge of their business. Oftentimes when they, they come under pressure, when they um, haven't got enough money to, to pay the people that they're using and that then causes them a lot of discomfort and takes them, distracts them away from the main game that we're running their business and, and we're here to help them bring that back in line. Mm. Our, the people that we have, the people that come to us that we help out, generally fall into the small to medium size end of the market. Our main positioning is we would take businesses that would have an annual turnover of say five million dollars up to about 150 million. The the bulk of the bulk of our work sort of falls in that space between 10 to 30, 35 million dollar turnover. We've got two offices, one located in the Sydney CBD and one in Parramatta CBD. So we're New South Wales sort of centric, but we've had engagements all around Australia and and sometimes overseas as well. So right. we cover pretty well. We've been in business for, I think I said, 23 years. We've looked at more than 2,000, 2,500 different types of engagements over that period of time, and it pretty well covers every industry sector. Wow. So tell me, with that sheer volume of of cases and matters that you've seen, are there any themes that pop out to you as the sort of lessons that many business owners should have known before they got themselves into strife? Are there any themes that have come across your desk? The biggest one and the most the, the, the most disturbing one for me is that they, in the main, business owners come through too late. If they have to understand, it, Australians are actually quite a proud society and you know no one really wants to put their hand up and say look yeah I'm just not sure whether I'm it's getting a little bit too hard for me but she'll be right mate I'll be able to sort of bat on and we'll get through this we get the guys that the most frustrating part of our job is we get the guys who've left it too long and mm. they could have actually taken some sort of corrective action a little bit earlier but these guys who've left it too late what happens is the longer they go in, the deeper they get into trouble, the, their options start to evaporate. And if they, get, if they leave it really late, they're often left with one option or sometimes no options at all. Mm. That could have been avoided. Mm. Now, if they, if they actually were to just ask their accountant, I'm, I'm feeling a bit of pressure here, I'm thinking about this, I'm not sure about that, what, where could I go? Who could I see that would might be able to give me some indication as to where we are and stuff like that? If they do that early enough, there's a range of options that they actually have available to them. And when they have a selection of different alternatives, they can find the alternative that's actually the best one that's suited for themselves. And then their chances of success enormously improved. So the biggest theme that I would have is like, don't be shy and ask. And even if, you, even if you ask and you have no problem at all, you've at least asked. And at that point in time, you'll no doubt your business will benefit from the questions that you've asked and the, the things that you put in place. So mm. that's the most frustrating thing. So if people can get past that, I think it's actually quite smart. And the guys who do come to us in the early stage, they go out the other side and they're stronger for the they're stronger for the experience. They do much, much better. Like the other day, I had a call from a business that was selling high-end 
audio visual, hi-fi, speakers, televisions, all of that type of car audio, that type of stuff. Mm. And the guy actually came to us 14 years ago and he, he was on the phone telling me how good his business is going now and what we did, what he learned back 14 years ago has actually set him up so he's actually grown the business maybe fivefold. That's phenomenal. Yeah. And and in turn is in a much stronger financial position than what he was way back then. And so it was quite encouraging to hear his feedback. And it was all unsolicited. So mm. very happy. And, that, and that, that's what can happen. That was someone who came in at a relatively early stage. Mm. And what were those steps? Do you recall what he said on, on the phone? Were those, those particular steps that had been taken at the time that really made that the biggest impact to his business turnaround? For him, what actually happened was he, he got into a bit of strife financially and he was one of these other people that sort of, he didn't really come early enough, but he didn't come too late either. So he was mm. sort of in that, in that middle area. And so we used uh, the appointment of a voluntary administration process, which was the step that actually put in place a moratorium, gave him breathing space with his creditors. And then in turn, he identified or collectively identified what was the cause of that problem. He rectified that and then was able to get back onto a level playing field. But the discipline of what he went through and that close shave with what could have been helped him focus his mind. Mm. And so, so now he, he has his businesses grown five times and he, and he has no debt. Mm. He's in this position where he's been able to manage his stock correctly. He's been able to manage his cash flow correctly and efficiently. And he actually has used that to invest back into the business to actually allow the growth to be self-funded. Mm, I think that's really important. And it's great to hear stories like that because you talked earlier about the issues for businesses leaving it too late. And certainly some of the saddest stories that I have seen have been those exact examples of businesses leaving it too late, which as you rightly identified is sometimes because people are too concerned to call out for help, but sometimes it's because they just don't understand the signs, the signs of, of what is potentially happening to their business. Maybe if you could talk to our business owners out there that are listening and also to our accountants who act for those business owners who sometimes often are at that coal front of helping to recognise these signs. What, what are the signs that both the business owners and, and their accountants should be looking out for? Joanna, can I just add one thing before we get into the science? Mm. I don't want to be too down on the business owners because they're in the position where they might feel very isolated and they don't necessarily seek out or it's not readily available the support that they could really use, like the accountants that they have. And I'm not picking on the accountant either. The business owner sees the accountant as being a compliance person. Somebody mm. who's going to do their tax return is going to do their BAS report and he will, he will come to the accountant at the last minute and he'll give him the information and the accountant will work on that work and, and do that. And then yeah, the accountant will bill for the work. It will ask to be paid. And the business owner will sort of go, oh, gee, there's a bill that's there. I don't really want to pay. For, you know, I, you know, I don't want to really have a higher bill than necessary. And so he doesn't really say, look, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit under the – a little bit of a squeeze here. Do you really think I am in, a, in you know – I really do need to take some corrective action. He won't even ask the questions. Mm. So 
if the accountants out there can actually have a feel for how the business is going, I mean, they will see the financial numbers and they, they could lead off in a, in a non-threatening way, you know, how's it going? We can see that you know, your numbers are sort of a little bit less this year than what they were last year. Do you have enough, um, are, you, are you meeting your, your debts? Are the creditors okay? Are they up to, up to date? Or are they sort of hassling you for payment? Are they cutting you back on supply? Just simple questions like that to start the conversation. And if they start the conversation, who knows where it leads? Mm, absolutely. Which I, I think is really important because many accountants I speak to are frustrated by the fact that many of the relationships with their clients is compliance-based. Yeah. And, you know, they're really looking for ways to value add. But I guess what you're saying here, some of the potential ways to value add are really just simple conversation starters. I think so. I mean, it, anybody who owns and runs a business is it's a commitment and it's a big commitment and it's it's a commitment in some cases it's even greater than what your relationship is with your with your spouse so a couple of simple questions the majority of people will most likely be more than happy to talk about their business because of that commitment and because they sit there by themselves it's it's tough mm. and they would more than be more they would value such a, an open dialogue with those simple questions that they would ask. It's really important that the, that it gets recognised, it gets talked about, the discussion is had because if it doesn't work out, not only is there going to be a, a major impact on the business owner, the business owner's family will suffer, the employees that are there won't have a job, so those guys and their family will suffer, the suppliers to the company won't have a customer, they'll suffer. And uh, the, the owners of the business, the, if there are external shareholders, well, they've lost their investment as well. Mm-hmm. Joanna, in my mind, it's just lose, lose, lose. And potentially that might be avoided if someone had actually had the conversation a little bit earlier. Like I had a guy once. This guy is a lovely guy. He was a Vietnam War veteran. And what he was doing is he'd set up a business that was actually removing asbestos. And so it was a few years ago when asbestos was like, you know, when everyone used to just remove asbestos and dump asbestos on the side of the road. But when the laws started started to tighten up and all this sort of requirement about the safe removal of asbestos came in, that was that was his job. And so he was actually, he and his, his staff and the people that worked for him would do big jobs like that. So they, like they, they removed the asbestos that was inside the Supreme Court building in Sydney up there at Phillips Street. So it's an old, old building, big tall building. We went up there one day and we looked through the – we actually – it was almost like going through like the Mars lunar landing sort of arrangement where you actually have to dress up in a, in a, in a white suit and you go through an airlock and you walk into this environment that was like perfectly sealed and they were taking the asbestos out. And then when you finish, you have to go through showers to wash it all off and in, in, in reverse. I've so got the quite, visuals. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, but the sad part was that this guy, through no fault of his own, he got hit with Agent Orange when he was uh, as a Vietnam War veteran, when he was in the Vietnam War, and that caused his health to go down. And so he didn't ask, didn't ask, you know, strong Aussie bloke, didn't ask any help along the way, and then his health got to the point where he just couldn't run the business. Mm. So that that was just left with a good, solid, profitable business was just left with nowhere to go. Mm. And it all closed. And it all closed down. Mm. Which, and you contrast that to the guy who had this sort of audio electrical type business, and he's 
15 years, well, what did I say, 14 years later, he's, he's still he's pumping along going better than what he ever did. Mm. Now, with this guy over here, his health was in, in jeopardy, but he could have earlier on found a pathway where we could have found somebody else or one of the staff to actually take over and continue on and do a transition from, from, um, from him to these guys over here. Could have even been a bit of money exchanged for that, which could have helped his family. Just frustrates me. But it, when it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way. And so effectively the difference between these two examples are, do you think the main element was time, the, the amount of time that you had to take action before the company was so cash-strapped that it seized? Is that the main element? Yeah, so the, the, the first guy came in, he could have come a bit earlier and not have to worry about the voluntary administration process. But he didn't, so we end up needing to use the corporation's law moratorium protection. This guy here went further down the road and got to the place where there were no other alternatives other than to finish off the existing work and shut the and shut the doors. Mm. Yeah. And what happened to him afterwards? Do um, you ever get these stories afterwards? He, he died. He left his wife and his kids behind, mm. and they were left behind without a business. Wow. And had we been able to get there earlier, we could have transitioned that business to somebody else for a sale price and then the family could have actually had the benefit of that money. Mm, that's really hard hitting. Yeah, yeah. And that's sort of the world that, that we live in. That doesn't that hard hitting doesn't happen every day. Mm. Sometimes it also gets hard hitting from the point that we have a saying that when the when the money goes, so does the love. I've, I've seen it so many times that when the business is in financial trouble, the pressures come and spill over into the family life mm. and the husband and wife end up splitting up. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we've certainly seen examples of that as well. I think you're spot on there. On a positive side, I've also seen examples where uh, it brings a husband and wife together because that, that actually helps them understand what really is important in life and relationships are more important. The mm. money. Mm. Uh, that's my value you said. Anyway, sorry. You cut that out. No, no. I, I, I like it. We, we'll keep that bit. So maybe let's talk first about the risks for directors personally, maybe, because I think it's important many business owners, many directors, whilst they're aware of their duties as a director and they're aware just generally there is some exposure connected to being a director of a company, many directors just don't fully appreciate that whilst they have this entity that is separate to them in their company, there are still risks for them personally if they continue to trade in a business that effectively is insolvent or seen to be insolvent at a particular point in time, i.e. if they're not getting help soon enough. So maybe if you can talk to us a little bit about experiences that you've had or examples that you've seen where this really hits home. Yeah. So what drives all of that is a lack of money. So when a company actually can't pay all its liabilities or all the debts that it incurs, which it creates whilst it's running its business, that creates this shortfall. And so the law likes to say that you are a director, you are meant to be smart, intelligent and responsible, and you shouldn't actually go and seek money from other people employees, suppliers or for goods and stuff like that, that you don't have a reasonable chance of knowing that you can actually pay them for that work. So if you're in that place, 
will happen is the directors will, and, and if the company goes into liquidation, the directors will become personally liable for any deficiency that any shortfall of all of those debts that they allow to happen that remain unpaid. And I think often what happens or what I've seen in the past create that this immediate risk of personal liability is often a failure these days since the changes in legislation a couple of years ago, um, the failure to lodge bazers on time, so thereby triggering personal liability if they're more than three months late in the lodgement of their bazers and payments. So I guess that's one yep. immediate issue because often when a business is cash strapped, they'll look at things where they believe are, you know, creditors that they feel are easier to deal with. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And slow down on those, uh, in just lodging bazers, for example. No, you're absolutely right, Joanna. In reality, what happens is the they're short of money and the more active creditors, the suppliers or the employees, they will actually threaten to withhold their services if they don't get paid. So if you have a business that needs the supplier to supply the the, the bricks, for example, you can't build a house if you don't get the bricks. So your business will immediately stop when that supplier says, hey, pay me or I won't supply the bricks. And so you'll find the money to, to pay the brick supplier. Mm-hmm. But the tax department sits there quietly. You don't hear from the tax department. You actually have to fill in the form and then you have to send the money off to the tax department. Now, it's really simple. You can actually, because you don't hear from the tax department, you can let a month, three months, six months, 12 months. And, you know, our tax department is not the most proactive in chasing up people who haven't paid their taxes. So this allows the director, the the easy out to go, well, okay, instead of paying the money to the tax department, I'll use that money to go and buy the bricks to to build a house to keep things going. The tax department has given themselves a special rule that says if you don't fill in your BAS form within three months, you as a director are now personally liable. So the onus is, to, is on the director. So they, mm-hmm. the tax, because the tax, it, it comes and goes over time, the tax department lost their right to actually have that special treatment back in 93, but they over the years they've actually clawed back another form of right which gives them the ability to go the director if he hasn't filled in his BAS forms. Mm. And and that's, they got a report for the super, their PAYG, and if they don't, whether or not they just become personally liable for it, straight up. Then mm. the director thinks he's doing the right thing because he's gone and paid the brick supplier and he keeps busy and he keeps working, but in the back of it, he's just created this like sleeping time bomb. Mm. Mm, absolutely. I guess that's a really good reminder for directors about the risks of letting these issues accumulate without getting the right advice. Because in those sorts of areas, simple changes in relation to who they are paying and what they're lodging and how regular their lodgements are can make the difference between personal liability and not having personal liability. So let's maybe go back now to looking at those signs of a problem. So what are those signs where, you know, business owners or their accountants on their behalf should be starting to ask questions and think about perhaps getting external assistance? Okay. Boils down to one simple thing, really. It's cash. And so you have you got enough money in the bank to be able to draw a check to pay the, the invoices that are due? 
that's it. Mm. There's a lot of other things, and I'll go through the other things now, but the, the main concept is you've got the invoice here, you've got the invoices for the month or the week or whatever it is. Is there enough cash in the bank to actually draw a check and pay for those, including what you have to pay to the tax department or the Office of State Revenue or any of those other other those other authorities? And the superannuation, don't forget the superannuation for the employees. Mm. So we in the profession call it poor cash flow, but... Really, that's just a fancy way of saying, have you got enough to pay for what you owe mm. when they're asking for it? So I'll run through the list. Poor cash flow, if you're overdue with any of your taxes, being the, the state taxes or the, uh, the or the Commonwealth taxes, are you paying your employee superannuation liabilities on time? That's another one that often gets overlooked, like we talked earlier about the tax department. Mm -hmm. It's very easy not to pay the superannuation to the employees. No one knows until later on. You've, you've, you don't have to do, fill in the returns for, for 12 months. Um, you've got that year that you can say, oh, well, I'll, I'll miss it this month, but what I'll do is I'll catch up next. The next month actually happens to be just a repeat of this month and you haven't got the, the, the money, so you go roll it on to the third month. And then all of a sudden, Three months turns into twelve months, turns into eighteen months, and then bang, you've mm. got got you've got a bigger mountain of debt that you you know too hard to get over. So monitor your cash flow. Is is the I've said that before. I'm going to say it again <laughs> because it is important. Well, that's it for part one of our two-part series in recognising and acting on the signs of insolvency. Just a quick recap. In this episode, we talked about the common theme in insolvency matters, which is businesses seeking help far too late. We heard a great example of a business owner that was staring down the barrel of insolvency, but that managed to get help in time to save the business, and 14 years later has completely turned the business around and is now nailing it. We talked about the cost of failing to ask for help and why some businesses leave it too late. And we talked about the personal exposure risk for directors, which is a very real risk and an important consideration. And I really do hope that our listeners out there who are directors get some useful tips about what to do and what not to do if you're involved with a business that is starting to feel a cash flow crunch. And finally, for those accountants out there listening in, we looked at ways that you can provide a real value add to your clients and to your accounting practice. Next episode of Talking Law, we will be back with the last part of this two-part series. In that episode, Anthony will be going through the warning signs of financial trouble, how to recognize these warning signs and what to do about them once you see them. If you'd like more information about this topic, simply head over to our website at talkinglaw.com.au. There you will be able to get a download of this podcast episode if you want to read it in more detail. And you'll also be able to find details of how to contact Anthony if you would like to. And you'll also find details of how to contact our lawyers at Aspect Legal if you'd like help with any of the items we covered today. So thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Talking Law and Joanna Oki. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Talking Law. Tune in next time for more smart legal tips and tricks to keep you clear of those legal landmines. If you want to get a download of today's show notes, head over to talkinglaw.com.au. Information in this podcast is general in nature, not legal advice. If you want advice for your business, visit talkinglaw.com.au. Thank you.